What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. And now welcome into our Big 12 Conference Preview, and I am thrilled to be joined by two guys that know the conference as well as anybody, former Iowa State head coach Steve Prohm and my favorite color commentator in college basketball, the one and only Fran Fraschilla. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Well, I'm doing even better now, Rob, that you said that. I mean, I'm, that makes me feel good, but th- <laughs> thank you. No, I'm doing great, and it's great to see Steve. We we've, we talked uh, we talked quite a bit here in the offseason, and now as he uh, gets ready to go back to coaching. He's got that year to catch his breath, so I'm excited to get to be with both of you guys. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Appreciate you guys Let me be a part of this, so I'm excited about it. Well, Fran, just so you know, uh, Steve's going to be doing some stuff with us on the field of 68 this year for our nightly show. So if you, uh, if you got any tips, if you got any any uh, your expertise you want to share with him, he's uh, he's now a member of the media, at least for one season. So <laughs> I love it. He knows he knows I'm here for him. So that's that's fun. That's fun. Yeah, that's, I've had a lot of people text me just like I say you're part of the media now for. So I said <laughs> hopefully just for a year. So <laughs> well, just, you, you got to practice uh, asking dumb questions now because that's that's all that we need. <laughs> All right, so let, let's talk about the Big 12. Um, and for me, uh, I, I think that the top of this league is about as strong as any conference in the country. You got Kansas, you got Texas, you got Baylor. Then I think there's another tier, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Um, I would probably have Kansas as the favorite in the conference. And I think my biggest question for this team is, what are we going to get out of David McCormick, right? I, I feel like Bill's best teams are the ones that have great low post presences. Um, I feel like David was... Uh, he forgot that he was seven foot, 270 pounds or whatever it is at the start of last season. By the end of the year, he was really, really good. So, uh, Fran, what do you see out of this Kansas team and what are you expecting out of, of uh, big David McCormick this season? Well, I, I think you hit it on the head, Rob, as far as uh, the the, um, the ceiling for the team, I think will be dependent on David. They have a lot of good pieces. I've, I've been over to watch them practice. Um, I, they, they don't, it's interesting about this Kansas team and Steve knows these guys really well. They don't have a guy that I say, Oh, he's automatically an NBA player. You know, like maybe Ochai Abaji makes it, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Wilson, I think someday will play in the NBA. He's only a sophomore, but I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, Steve remembers uh, as I do that the end of last year before David and Kansas were, were before he was shut down because of COVID protocols going into the big 12 tournament, he was playing. He was the best big man in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last ten games, he was really unstoppable. He's an unbelievable kid, and I think that what happens sometimes he's almost too nice. Uh, great personality, very bright, and I think sometimes he puts the weight of the world on himself, Rob, uh, because everybody in Kansas, the state of Kansas, talks about we need David McCormick to play well, and I think that he he wore that uh, he wore that vest, if you will, like it was eight hundred pounds. Uh, but at the end of last year, he was terrific. I really like him. I like Bill's depth. They're going to go one to twelve, uh, but no great player. That's going to be the interesting thing, Steve. 
Yeah, when you look at them, if Marcus Garrett comes back and doesn't use his COVID year, they bring all five starters back. And then they have the addition of Remy Martin, the Drake transfer, uh, kid I coached last year, Jalen Coleman lands, uh, a couple of new freshmen. But the, but the core of the team, you look at Bronze back, great shooter, you know, really, really a glue guy for them, uh, Abaji, and then Jalen Wilson and McCormick, and then Mitch Lightfoot, who's I, I messed around with him last year before our game to where he may stay there forever. He's on his sixth year there, but everybody in the league would take a Mitch Lightfoot. And so, like Fran touched, touched on, great depth. Obviously, Bill's a Hall of Fame coach, and you're looking at Allen Fieldhouse right now, one of the uh, premier places to play in college basketball. But, you know, them in Texas is who I have kind of one-two. You could go one-two, two-one, either way with that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into Texas in a second. But, Steve, I want to ask you this. So it, it feels like in probably the last four or five years, uh, Bill's kind of changed what he wants to do offensively. He's gone from really wanting to have two big guys out there uh, to kind of embracing the the, the four wings, the, the small ball lifestyle. Um, I think it probably started with the, the year with Josh Jackson, right? So uh, we got a couple small guards on this team. You got a whole bunch of wings on this roster. You guys named most of them. Um, how did you see a change in kind of the way that he plays and what kind of impact did that have on, on preparing for Kansas? Well, when I first got in the league, it was Perry Ellis and, uh, and Big Lucas. And it was a lot of two game, a lot of high low, but also, you know, guys like Wayne Selden, Frank Mason, Devontae Graham. Uh, and then it transferred into where it was Z, Malik Newman, uh, Devontae Graham, Frank Mason, Marcus Garrett, to where they're playing a lot of four perimeter guys, playing small, but still they're doing some, some two game out of that, but a lot of four out, a lot of five out. Uh, but the big thing with Bill's team, it's going to be two ball reversal, three ball reversal, going to be really disciplined. The one key when you look at why they've been so good is they're, they're top three in the league, usually year in, year out offensively and defensively. I think, I think Rob, you made a great point. Uh, you know, Bill's a chameleon. Uh, he's a hall of fame coach for a reason. He will figure out what's best for his team and change a guy that, uh, uh, I hate to bring this guy up because, uh, uh, you know, he'll, Steve will have a little, a few more. And he already mentioned enough guys that gave him nightmares with Malik Newman and those guys. But don't forget, Zvimi Kai Luke yep. as part of that team. That's when they went small. That's when they went four guards with Malik and Svi and Frank and Devante. And so what I've seen from Bill over 18 years is big, small, medium. Uh, it doesn't matter. He's a good enough coach that if he figures out this is how we're going to play in this given year, that's how they're going to play. And I think this team, from what I've seen so far, it's going to be more of that four perimeter type guys. Um, you know, Jalen Wilson is a forward. There's no question. But they, it's not the power basketball that we saw when they had Cole Aldridge and uh, Thomas Robinson and, you know, Darrell Arthur and those great teams he had like a decade or more ago. So the, the last thing I want to ask you guys about before we move off of Kansas is, is Remy Martin. You know, when he was at Arizona State he was a guy that kind of uh, I don't want to say like he did whatever he wanted but it was it was more or less his show right like they they put the ball in his hands he's getting up and down in transition he's taking a lot of tough shots he's replacing a guy in Mark Marcus Garrett who was pretty much the the opposite of that he fit in the system great defender big guy um or a big guard I'm sorry so uh Fran you've seen them practice you uh you may or may not be sitting in Fog Allen Fieldhouse right now we can't confirm <laughs> but what, what have you what are you expecting out of him this season and kind of the way that he fits into the, that culture and that that roster and that system well he you know McCormick is an x-factor in one way you know how dominant can he be inside but Remy Martin is definitely an x-factor because um, you're exactly right I watched a lot of tape of Arizona State they were dysfunctional they really were I mean you just 
uh, and I don't, I don't know if it's anybody's fault, Coach Hurley, you know, whatever. We have, we have like eight guys thinking that they're first-round picks. I think Remy's biggest challenge is going to be um, can he evolve? I, I, I think in an ideal world, he averages 11 and 8. Mm-hmm. I, like that kid could lead the country in assists with the team around him. And if Bill can get him to play like a fast, speedy, pass-first point guard, then I think they can have a great season. They've got an insurance policy in Dewan Harris. They love Dewan Harris. He's a sophomore and he's rock solid. But Remy's speed and his ability to uh, – he can pass the ball, Rob. I've seen it on tape. If he'll play that way, and I think Bill's going to force him to play the way Bill wants him to play, then I think that he can he can have a great individual year and they can be even better because he's got, like to, to, as, as, as Steve mentioned, lots of wing scoring around him in McCormick inside. All right, Steve, now let me ask you this. In college basketball nowadays, uh, everybody is transferring, and every team in the country is kind of dealing with integrating new pieces and integrating new players that weren't necessarily there the year before. At Texas, you have Chris Beard in a new job taking over a role where he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven transfers coming in this season. How how do you go about building that culture and turning a roster of players into a quote-unquote team when you're dealing with this many new faces? Well, I think you got the right guy to do it, uh, first and foremost. Uh, he did it at Texas Tech. I think his best team that he had there was Mooney, uh, the big kid up front. Uh, he had a couple really good, you know, fifth-year guys there. And so he's he's has that, you know what I mean? And he's been at a lot of different levels, coached a lot of different teams at a lot of different levels. So he's used to blending guys. Um, you know, he played coached some professional guys where they come in for a couple weeks here, a couple weeks there. He's won his whole life. Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, when you look at that, when I looked at that, and I'm talking about Texas is if they can all buy in, you know, who do you try to take away? You know, Tim Floyd's thing is take away the top two guys, you know, top two scores. Well, they got seven guys returning that average double figures, you know, Ramey, Jones, you know, Dylan DeSue. I mean, you go Trey Mitchell, you go on and on Christian Bishop. And so, but you've got the right guy to do it. Uh, he does it a little differently from a standpoint of, it's tough love, social media. He's on campus. I think Fran tweeted one time. I mean, he embodies everything that job's about, and he'll do it. I, you know, I would, if I had to, you know, we'll do our rankings. I would probably have them one, then Kansas two, uh, just from a standpoint of, you know, they've got so many guys. I mean, they've got, they've got a starting five coming back. When you look at Brock Cunningham, when you look at Febras, when you look at Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, that's four or five guys that could start anywhere in the Big 12 right there. And you haven't even talked about Marcus Carr yet. And so he'll do a great job. I mean, you know, Fran's been down there ready to watch him practice. I'm going to try to get down there in a couple weeks and watch them. But the biggest thing they'll do, they'll all buy in defensively. They'll Mm -hmm. be, I think, you know, Beard really, when he came into the league, he really ratcheted up the defense, you know, the defensive side. You know, Baylor's changed the way they've played. They play now Texas Tech with Mark getting the job. Uh, Texas will be fun to watch this year. So, Fran, I think that, the best teams that Chris Beard had when he was at Texas Tech, they had great lead guards and they had two guys that could could kind of play make out of their offense. Uh, in 2018, it was Keenan Evans and Jarrett Culver. In 2019, it was Matt Mooney and Jarrett Culver. Jarrett Culver obviously was the number six pick in that, that year's draft. And, and Matt Mooney was a guy he ended up playing in the NBA. He's 23 years old. I, I thought he was always underrated. So uh, I, I think that that's going to kind of fall on Marcus Carr's shoulders and maybe Courtney Ramey a little bit. What do you – what are you seeing out of them? What are you expecting out of them? And how important is having that kind of uh, shot creation in Chris Beard's backcourt? 
Uh, it's important. Um, you know, th- you need to look this up, Rob. It's crazy. I think they have 9,000 returning scoring points. Seriously. <laughs> add, add those up. I, I When I was down there, I think it's 9,000 points coming back. Because as Steve said, they've got seven guys that average double figures like everywhere, right? Um, I, I, they're an interesting team because Marcus Carr is getting a lot of hype. Mm-hmm. And probably deservedly so. I talked to one of the coaches last night, and they said he's really starting to come on. When I was there, he was just fitting in. This is like about three weeks ago. Um, but when I watch them, it's similar to Kansas in that they have so many veteran guys, and especially guys that have transferred in who have already had those the success and the credentials. I can't really tell like who's going to be their best player on a given night. I mean, Courtney Ramey, as Steve knows, is a junkyard dog. Andrew Jones is nearly back to who the kid was when he came in, you know, as a, as a high school All-American. He was an all-conference Big 12 player last year after the incredible uh, odyssey he went on with his bout with, uh, I think it was leukemia. They're an interesting team because I can make a case for every single one of those guys in the top 10 for being the guy on a given night. And I think the beauty of that team is that we are not going to know on a given night who's going to be the 20-point scorer or if there's going to be five guys in double figures. Um, I love Timmy Allen. I think Timmy Allen is is the – to me, he might be the most underrated player of all the guys they brought in because he's a six-foot-five uh, Swiss Army knife, to use that cliché. I don't know if he's a guard forward. Whatever he is, he just gets buckets. You know, he just scores. And he did it in the Pac-12. I think he was – he might have been first-team All-Pac-12 last year. If not, he was close. So – I, 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 to echo what Steve said, the one thing we know about Chris Beard, and the day I was there, I saw this, it's all about the culture of everybody fitting together to win a national title. He will make sure the egos are melded into one collective ego. There will not be a, a, any nonsense as far as uh, guys not fitting into the Texas Longhorn culture, the way we've seen it at, at uh, Texas Tech with Chris. So the, I think the one question I have with Texas, and, and this kind of goes for Remy Martin at Kansas a little bit, is you have these lead guards that are coming in and asking to take over. You're asking them to take over uh, pretty significant roles on two teams that most people are going to have in the top five, top eight, whatever it is, uh, nationally, two national title contenders. But both Marcus Carr and Remy Martin are coming from programs where they didn't necessarily win as much as maybe you expected, and they were kind of previously in roles where it was shoot first and figure out everything else. After that, so when you're bringing in a player like that, Steve, how how hard is it to kind of get them to acclimate and maybe change uh, what their instincts are telling to them to do first and foremost? You know what I'm saying? Like, how hard is that to get them to kind of buy in? Yeah, I think it takes a while, and I think you look uh, touch on what Fran said. You know, Marcus Carr is trying to fit in, and now they said he's trying to you know start to figure it out and and take on a bigger role. You look at Mac McClung. I think if you watch tape with him at Georgetown. Uh, we tried to recruit him a couple of years back when the transfer, uh, you know, he took a lot of shots, you know, challenge shots, was really trying to score. And everybody said, hey, will he fit in, you know, offensively with them? And he did a phenomenal job. I remember watching the game uh, at Texas, you know, McClung makes a big three late to win the game. You know, him and Beard, you know, just developed a phenomenal relationship. And so, you know, you know, number one, when they get to campus, I think they'll they'll probably be a little bit looser. But Beard's the best at, you know, bringing them together, getting to understand how to be disciplined, uh, but still have freedom. And I think you saw that late in the year, the year they made the final four run. I thought they started opening up things offensively. They beat us uh, in Hilton the last game of the season to win the conference. Culver made four threes that game. They played at a different pace and they, they scored it really well. And so 
I think it, at, at the time, you know, Marcus will do a great job. Um, you know, he had a phenomenal run at the Big Ten, but Beard will do it terrific with him. I think I saw something Jeff tweeted yesterday. Him and Beard are sitting there watching tape together. And I think you've got to watch a lot of tape with your point guard for them to take the next step and be terrific. Mm-hmm. Before we move on, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up for Bet Rivers yet, now is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their rush pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer. It's more secure and it's more reliable. Now that basketball season is tipping off, get in on the action at betrivers.com today or by downloading the BetRivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And while I got you here, let's talk about the Field of 68 Media Network, where college basketball matters most all year round. This is a digital media and podcast network that we've been building over the course of the last year. We have shows hosted by some of your favorite players covering the program that they love the most. AJ Guyton hosts the House of Hoosier. Eric Devendorf covers Syracuse on the scorer's table. Dan Dickow hosts the Gonzaga Bulldog broadcast. We have Florida's Patrick Young and Duke's Andre Dawkins, and North Carolina's Shimon Williams, and Michigan's Stu Douglas, and Illinois' Deion Thomas. The list goes on and on and on. We have more than 30 shows right now. So hit the links below and check them all out. And while you're at it, make sure that you go check out the Field of 12 Media Network, your home for college football. All right, so let's move on. We got Baylor next. And they are the reigning national champions. I don't think that we need to rehash just how crazy it is that Scott Drew has turned Baylor from what they were when he got the job into what they are um, right now. So, Fran, let me ask you this. They are replacing so much, especially in their backcourt, from Jared Butler and Macy Oteague and Davion Mitchell, that I feel like this team's probably going to have a different identity than what they were last year. You got James Akinjo coming in. You got Adam Flagler being asked to play a bigger role. And your guy, Matthew Meyer, uh, going to be uh, hopefully end up being a, a all conference caliber player. So what are you expecting to see out of them? I mean, last year was, it was kind of defense space the floor, knock down threes. Are we going to see that same kind of uh, style and system this season? I think so. Uh, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. They may not, you know, we don't expect them to win a national title with the loss of three guys that have gone to the NBA, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think the biggest thing for them, it's kind of interesting now that I see the storyline developing, it's Remy Martin, it's Marcus Carr, and it's James Akinjo. Mm-hmm. And if James Akinjo can take the uh, – and they love him. And he, uh, the day I was there, he showed me great speed. He can really uh, score, pull up. He'll make the right pass. He ran a couple guys over that day. <laughs> Steve knows what I'm talking about in practice when you have a, a guard that gets a little out of control. Uh, but I think that he's going to uh, – Scott will get him to calm down and play within their system. But uh, I got to tell you, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to – this is going to be my refrain – Baylor is not going anywhere. Um, they're already in the midst. They have to, they have the two, they have two pros. They have two first round pick freshman forwards. And I don't know if they're first round picks this year, Rob, but Kendall Brown and the kid, uh, Jeremy uh, Suhan. I think I said that right. Suhan. Uh, those two kids are going to be tremendous uh, players and eventually playing the NBA. Matthew Meyer is going to go three for 21 night and get 45 another night this year. I'm just telling you, he's going to get 45 in a game this year. I don't know how or who against, you know, it might be against Alcorn state, but, but the guy can really uh, light it up. Um, I just like their team. I like everyday John. I like Flo Thamba. 
Um, you know, Adam Flagler is, is going to bust out this year. LJ Cryer, uh, they love him. Um, I'm just looking down the roster. Like, they're still going to be really good. I think they're going to compete with Texas and Kansas for the top of the league. All three of those teams are very similar in their own way in that they, they have a lot of veterans. And so I, I really like their team. They are going to miss these three guys who may, may have been almost underrated to us as we look back. It could have been one of the great backcourts in college basketball in the last 25 years, really. Yeah, they really were. They really and were. We, we kind of took them for granted, I think. And I did because I saw them all the time. But, but they are going to be good. And I just promise you, they've got a lot of talent on that roster. And we, you know, we know, I, 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 I felt like Perry Mason for 20 years, defending <laughs> Scott Drew in a court of law. He can coach, Steve. Can he not? Yeah, the, the <laughs> transformation he's done there and the, the longevity of success that he's had there has been unbelievable. You look at what that team, you know, back-to-back, they could have won back-to-back national championships. And it was funny, as you watched them made the run last year to the Final Four and eventually the national championship, you would hear some of the people on TV saying, did you know they're that good? Are they that? Yeah, they're that good. Yeah. 41% shot over 40% from three as a team, averaged almost 20 assists. They've got three guys, three perimeter guys going on the NBA. I mean, Maceo T made one, I think almost 10 threes one night against Texas Tech at home. And then Butler and Mitchell, I think the great thing that Scott's done there, the selflessness of those guys over the last two years with the amount of games that they won, and really, you know, Butler was always the star. And then Mitchell eventually kind of overtook that and became the, the number one lead guard. You know, uh, off night, he got the nickname off night. He started really making threes. Uh, obviously, it's great he's in Sacramento because he joins down there with Halliburton and Fox. I think that's a terrific duo NBA-wise. But, but Butler stayed. You know, he was all about the team, all about the right things. And he's going to carve out a great career in the NBA. He's in a great organization with Utah. I just uh, – Scott's done a phenomenal job, and he was an all-zone guy that became all-pressure all the ball, no middle. You know, we're going to force you, keep you on the sideline. And the job that they've done the last two years has been phenomenal. But the longevity of success that he's been able to maintain there has been incredible. And Scott, Scott's done a phenomenal job there. And it'll be interesting to see, just because of the loss of all those guys, how they start out early. But I'm a big fan of James Akinjo. You know, uh, you look, he averaged almost six assists at Arizona, uh, you know, had some you know good moments at Georgetown. Kendall Brown, know him well, being a Minnesota kid. Uh, and I love Chachua. I think his energy and the motor that he plays with, that transfers to winning. Hey, Fran, did you see how he pronounced Chachua, right? He's ready for the media. Yeah, I know that. I know that. I did. I, I made that's one thing I knew you had to do. You had to make sure you get to all the pronunciations right. So but, I kept. But I, I say I say every day, John. Now, just so I don't botch it up. Yeah. It's, 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 um, sometimes sticks. sticks. So I, I do want to just kind of talk a little bit more about James Akinjo because I, a conversation that I had with Scott this summer, I, I asked him about James, and he said that yeah. one of the things that he learned about him from the moment that he stepped on campus was that this kid was almost competitive to a fault, right? Yes. And part of the reason why things didn't necessarily work out the way that he wanted them to at Georgetown or at Arizona was that no one else was kind of on the same page with him when he was at Georgetown. And then he got to Arizona and he's got a bunch of uh, like a bunch of freshmen and a bunch of European kids. And it just wasn't the right uh, fit for a player that plays the way that he wants to play. And I think that when you get him in that culture that you were mentioning, Steve, at, mm-hmm. at Baylor in terms of 
the sacrifice in terms of winning over everything else, in terms of everybody bought in and playing their role and doing their job. To me, Fran, that just feels like the right fit for a kid that's as competitive as he is, right? I totally agree. You know, he's from Oakland. Uh, so you start with that. You know, he's from Oakland, California. You've been to Oakland. It's like, you know, uh, it's kind of like Brooklyn. You know, it's Manhattan and it's Brooklyn and it's San Francisco and it's Oakland, you know. And Steve knows that, you know, I'm one of the toughest guys to ever have come out of Brooklyn. So you know, <laughs> <when> I, <laughs> just joking. But seriously, Oakland, Oakland is known for Dame Willard, Gary Payton, you know, that, that kind of toughness. And he has it. I saw it at practice. And uh, I, I totally agree, Rob. I think it's a great fit for him. He saw what Scott and Jerome Tang and, you know, uh, John Jacobs, that great coaching staff did with those guards. I tweeted out the other day when I saw that uh, Davion Mitchell, or no, it was it was Jared is playing well in the preseason with the Jazz. Uh, but they practiced every day like a bunch of nobodies. Like when I would go down to Waco, I didn't feel like any sense of entitlement. Uh, and you'd sneak into the practice gym and you go, those guys, they're always in there. And I think that's what James Akinjo is going to really enjoy about being at Baylor. They need him to be kind of what Butler and and Teague and those guys were. I love LJ Cryer. I think he's going to be a really nice uh, a player. And I really like Adam Flagler. But I think James is going to really give them an energy boost that might have been missing with the loss of three great guards. Yeah, I think you have a lot of guys that can take advantage of uh, closeout situations and make open threes and, and Flagler and Meyer and Kendall Brown, a lot of yeah. these guys, LJ Cryer, a lot of guys you mentioned. And it feels like Akinjo is going to be that guy to the first person to get a paint touch to kind of create the – um, put the defense in motion, um, as you will. All right, let's uh, one guy we haven't mentioned, and just to touch on Baylor, you know, Mark Vital. You know, when we, mm-hmm. you put Mark Vital at the five and they can switch everything last year defensively, and you've got Mitchell and Vital, that's a problem defensively. And uh, yeah. they'll they'll miss Mark Vital too. I know the three guards are special and they're elite, uh, but Mark Vital was a big, big key. Yeah, no yeah it was a lot of fun to watch too. Is he going to end up playing in the NFL, Fran? What do you think? Well, you know, it, it's funny. You know, <laughs> I talked to somebody about this. Ironically, uh, Russell Wilson loved him in Seattle. They signed him, you know, a few weeks ago, but they had some injuries. And so they had to release him in order to bring a veteran on that need, they needed to play. So Kansas City scooped him up right away. But from what I was told, I've talked to Scott about this. Russell Wilson really had high hopes for Mark Vidal. But if Andy Reid signed you and they already have a great passing attack and a great tight end and Kelsey, it tells you something about what they think his potential could be. So we're, we're all rooting for him. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, he, I think he committed to them in like two, uh, 2004, right? And then he uh, just graduated in 2021, you know? So I think he committed <laughs> to him 17 years ago. <laughs> so is there anyone else in the Big 12 that you think can kind of crack that top three? I mean, for me, it's, it's you basically had that Baylor, Kansas, and Texas is the top right. two. And then you have I'm Texas tell you, Tech, Oklahoma I would State. throw out a I would Go not to cut you off. Sorry, Frank. I, I would throw yeah. my, my my sexy pick or sleeper pick. I would say Oklahoma State. Yeah. And and I say that because Caleb Boone, I think, has a chance to jump off the charts this year. I talked to Mike in the spring and I told him, I said, you know, you look at his field goal percentage numbers, you look at the growth he's had in two years, his ability to change shots around the rim, his ability to score around the basket. He shot almost 60% from the field, I think. But they're bringing back a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And they won big games without Kate Cunningham last year, as special as he yes. was. They won at West Virginia. That's not easy to do. I, I would have them as a, as a sexy top three pick in that, in, or as a sleeper top three pick. And I'd have Caleb Boone as a potential 
you know, rising star in that league without a doubt. Yeah, I, I agree, Rob. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you one thing that Kate Cunningham left behind a residue of confidence. Mm-hmm. He was such a great teammate last year. Like it didn't matter if Avery Johnson missed three, excuse me, Avery Anderson, who was going to take another big leap this year, by the way, it didn't matter if he missed three in a row, if he was open, Kate was going to get it to him and he was going to tell him, shoot it. And that rubbed off on everybody, Steve, you know, like Kate gave everybody a boost of confidence that I really think, and don't forget when they won at West Virginia, Steve, not only did Cade not play, Isaac likely didn't play that day. And so Avery, I think had like, uh, he might've had like 29 or something, but Likely's back. I think Ice Likely was the one guy that didn't fit the Cade Cunningham uh, chemistry and not off the court, but he kind of duplicated what Cade did for that team, Rob. And now Ice can go back to being a a really good linebacker type point guard. Avery Anderson is going to be terrific. Cissé comes in as a a kid from Memphis who I'm not in love with his skills, but he's a high level athlete. Uh, Walker, the sophomore, and and the other missing ingredient that people are not talking about yet is the great job Mike Boynton is doing, growing into being, you know, one of the better young coaches in the country. I, I totally agree with Steve in that regard. I also think we need to talk about Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, one point I do want to make about Oklahoma State, you kind of touched on this a little bit, Fran. They were so young last year, right? Yes. Like everybody on that roster was freshmen and sophomores that were playing. And if you're going to have a year, where you need somebody to kind of come in and provide a, I know he was a freshman, but I like to say a veteran presence that Cade Cunningham provided yeah. in helping get these guys used to playing in the big 12. Like that was the perfect kind of, uh, I don't know, like segue year, however you want to phrase it. So I'm expecting big things out of Avery Anderson. I, I love Bryce Thompson, that duo together. Um, there, yes. There's that, that's a really interesting team in Oklahoma state. And the same thing, I mean, say about Texas tech. So go ahead, Fran, tell us about Texas tech. Yeah, you know, one last thing about Oklahoma State, just quickly, Rob. You know, he's not he's not quite this good, but it, the confidence level it must be like if you, I, or Steve were great players or really good or good NBA players, we would love to play with LeBron. You know, because LeBron is the ultimate great teammate, and that's what Cade was last year. He was kind of the LeBron of the Big Twelve. I mean, you it's like being in a street fight uh, in an alley, and you got the biggest guy, you know, the toughest guy in the neighborhood with you, and that's what Cade did. And I think when he, he left, he left that confidence behind with those young guys. All right. Um, I think Texas tech, if they're healthy, um, they can be like Steve's dark horse as well as mine, Oklahoma state. I also love Texas tech. I think, uh, I think Kevin McCullough is the most underrated player in the league. If he's healthy, he's he's a, he's a junior now he's tough. He's hard nosed. He's going to embody Mark Adams uh philosophy defensively. You throw him in with Terrence Shannon, who's a, near near NBA player, you know, not quite yet, but, you know, right there on the cusp. Uh, you add the kid uh, Bryson Williams from UTEP. I love him. O'Banner got major experience at ORU. He's a stretch big. Um, right off the bat, you love that front line. I mean, that is a good front line. You can put those four guys up against anybody in the Big 12. So start off with those guys. That might be the best front line in the league, really, when you look at it on paper. Um, and then I, I just I just like their uh, – I just like the kind of kids they have. They're Mark Adams, Chris Beard, if you will, type kids that are going to defend, battle, fight. And Coach Adams is an older version of Chris Beard in that he's a a ball coach. He's old school. They're going to defend. They're going to have chemistry. Uh, They're going to play together. They're going to check their egos at the door. Anxious to see how they are without Beard because – 
And I can't wait to see that game, by the way. Texas Tech at uh, <laughs> that, Texas oh, Tech yeah. hosting Texas. Are you, you, we better get you on that call. Really. We better get you on well, that. It'll probably be Bill. It'll be Billis or uh, Dickie B, probably because that's how it works. <laughs> you, know, you know, A Rod or Jeter will get that game. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to knock in a hundred runs from the seven hole, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, I'm really anxious to see Texas Tech, Steve, because we both have great respect for Coach Adams. Yeah, really happy. First off, for Mark Adams uh, has done a phenomenal job as kind of Chris's right hand man for many years down there. And I think the one thing that team will have too that, that I would have them as my other dark horse too is that they're going to have a little chip on their shoulder and an edge to where, hey, you know, Coach Beard's gone and did an amazing job here. You know, it totally changed the culture here in the program, but we got something to prove, you know. And the one thing that stands out to me when you look at the roster is. Mac McClung went pro and he signed a deal with the Lakers, but the only one to transfer is Kyler Edwards, who was a big, big piece, but they bring back, like coach uh, Fran said, Terrence Shannon, Marco Santa Silva, Kevin McCuller, who I know beard was, you know, absolutely in love with, but then they've got a lot of guys, you know, Bryson Williams, he touched on really good player. I mean, he was highly, highly recruited coming out of uh, UTEP last year. And then Oral Roberts, the Oral Roberts kid, you know, O'Banner, he had 30 in the NCAA tournament against Ohio State. And so they're going to really guard. Uh, from what I read, Mark Adams spent a lot of time with uh, Ben McCollum this year uh, to try to see what he wants to do offensively. Well, tell, you know, Steve, tell, 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 the, tell the podcast listeners about, about, about Ben McCollum real quick. Yeah, just a phenomenal Division II coach. Has done an amazing job at Northwest Missouri State and one of, one of the most efficient offensive teams in the country. He's got a phenomenal point guard up there that everybody says could play anywhere in the country. But Mark spent a lot of time with him this summer uh, to kind of look at the nuances offensively and the way that they play. And also, you know, talking with Mark a little bit and and reading up on, you know, Mark and the transition, you know, studied a lot of the European, you know, style of play. And so, you know, he may change some things offensively. But the core of what Texas Tech has been about and the core that it'll stay about, in my opinion, is going to be about toughness, togetherness, defense. Um, and I think they'll be one of those top three, four, five. But the thing about it, you can finish fifth in the Big 12 and be mm-hmm. a three seed. Yeah. You know, and have a chance okay. to get to the final four. You know, so, one, other, one other guy, Rob, uh, and I'm just going to take a flyer on this guy. Uh, Chibuzo Agbo did not play much last year. He's a kid from L.A., that we all thought would have an impact. Now, they had a lot of guys in, in his spots, so he had to be patient. He was with the Nigerian national team this summer, the Olympic team, and I asked uh, Mike Brown about him, the you know the assistant coach of the Warriors, and he loved this kid. And I loved him coming in. I was surprised he didn't play much. He did not transfer, which tells me two things about that kid. Number one, he's got character because he could have easily gone back to L.A. Number two, they're probably still really high on this kid. So, Again, he may average three points a game, but I remember thinking this kid could be a really good player. He's only a sophomore, Chibuzo Agbo, a six-seven wing scorer. I, I love when you come up with the sleepers because I always make sure to check that one off. You were the first guy that said Buddy Hill is going to end up being a star. I think he was averaging six points a game as a freshman <laughs> in Oklahoma. I love that. I love that about the league, by the way. And Steve knows this. It's it's. I know how much you love. Uh, you know, you, I know how you are, Rob, as far as college basketball and. The great, the great. We didn't touch on this, but the great thing about the Big Twelve is for the occasional Trey Young or Kevin Durant or Andrew Wiggins, 
This league, more than any other of the power leagues, develops three- and four-year guys. Mm -hmm. You look at Steve's guys at Iowa State, the Niangs and the Monte Morrises, and you look at Bill's best teams, had guys like Travis Relliford, Brady Morningstar, uh, Javon Carter. The greatest thing about this Big 12 is that for every one and done, there's 10 kids that come in underrated and end up being really good players, and a few of them do go on and play in the NBA. So I just want to make one – oh, no, go ahead, Steve. How about this stat for the Big 12? Seven guys drafted last year, okay? Twelve guys right now are under an NBA contract from last year. The league only has 10 teams, okay? They've got 12 guys that are under an NBA contract, whether it's two-way, you know, guys like Austin Reeves, Mac McClung that signed deals after, after yeah. uh, summer, summer league, and then seven draft picks. Twelve guys last year. Austin you Reeves know, had 10 last night for the Lakers in the game against the Clippers, and uh, – that kid had 40 in two different Big 12 games. And, you know, I mean, unless you're in the league on a daily basis, you're you're like, who's Austin Reeves, you know? And so I thought Lon did a great job kind of moving him to the point guard and really giving yeah. – he's a guy that, you know, played with a lot of freedom and a lot of confidence. And, man, I tell you what, he could do an amazing job of drawing fouls. He could really draw fouls and get himself yeah. to the free throw line. Very, very crafty. Hey Rob, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't mention West Virginia here. I mean, I got. Well, go I was I was about to transition to West. Virginia. I know. I know. I wanted I to make gotta... one point about uh, Texas Tech real quick. We yeah, talked about how Chris Beard builds builds culture. One of the things mm-hmm. that I keep hearing out of Texas Tech is that Mark Adams had as big of an impact on that at Texas Tech as Chris Beard did. He told me a story the other day that yeah. he would have he has candy in his office <laughs> for every yeah. single like that is the every single player's favorite candy is in his office, and he used that to bribe him to come and hang out with them and talk with them in the office. So they come in, you want Sour Patch Kids, you need some Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. He's got that there <laughs> for all of his players. Um, I was also told that part of the reason why Terrence Shannon and Kevin McCullough are back at Texas Tech is because they basically said, I'm not playing for anybody here other than Mark Adams. So to me, that kind of tells you the relationship. Yeah. He's a guy, you mentioned his Juco roots. In Juco, you got to build a new team every single year. And that's kind of what yeah. we got this season. There's a lot of guys that feel like the uh, the high major version of a JUCO team, and I mean that as, as a compliment. So, if West we don't Virginia. talk about West Virginia. Fran's not going to be able to get. I know, right? Rolls, man. I, I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be able to eat in Morgantown. But you know, three years ago, I said this to a coach in the league. I might have even told Steve this. I'm sure I did. This is, uh, and I think this is going to catch on. It, it used to be the number one job description of a college coach was crisis management coordinator because stuff happens, right? But I said three years ago, not knowing that the transfer portal would just really explode, right? Uh, now the job is number one job is roster management supervisor. Cause these guys, you know, you mentioned Kansas, you mentioned all the teams, every team in the big 12 and every team, most teams in power conference basketball, Rob are now managing their roster from year to year. And the guys that have Juco experience like a Chris Beard or a, a Mark Adams, you know, they know how to build a roster from year to year. Cause you're used to losing 12 guys and having to go recruit 12 more. So to your point, I think Mark Adams is going to be a great fit there for a variety of reasons, including that he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about West Virginia. I know you got to get that off your chest, Fran. I, I'm I'm a little bit bullish on them. I think we're yeah. going to see a much different team. And I would say this, and I'm curious of both of your opinion on this. I would make the argument that last year was the best coaching job that Bob Huggins has done at West Virginia. He took a team that we all thought was going to play two bigs, pound the offensive glass, play ugly, defend, and turn them into a team by the end of the season that – you know, put four shooters on the floor, had Miles McBride out in ball screens, did a lot of really fun stuff, played up and down. And it was kind of, by the end, almost defense optional if you were playing for West Virginia. So Steve, uh, talk to me about yeah, that, that team. Steve, tell, tell, tell Rob and the listeners about how good Sean McNeil and Tash Sherman are. 
Yeah, well, I, you look at that. They're two. Taz is one of the top uh, returning scorers in the league, number one, you know, and has, you know, really came on. You know, junior college transfer usually takes them a year to get their feet wet, had a terrific year last year. And then Sean McNeil is another guy that can really, really shoot. He's one of the top three three-point shooters in the league. You take Nigel Pack and, and Abaji, you know, he's the next in line right there. And so they're bringing back shooting. The one thing you touched on with West Virginia is when they lost the big kid to Kentucky, when he transferred or, you know, and he, he left and they put Culver at the five and they, they went four guards and they went shooting. I think that's the way the game is. So I'm going around watching a lot of practices. It's spacing, it's shooting, it's skill, it's IQ, it's feel, it's all those things that translate into winning. Uh, but I tell you what, Miles McBride, I watched him as a freshman and there was no doubt you're looking at him like he's a pro. I don't know how long he'll be here, two years, three years. I thought maybe three years. He got out of there in two. He was really, really good. And, you know, they'll miss him. But I'm sure, like, they'll, they've they got another freshman that they probably signed, you know, which I don't know all those guys that's lurking in the wings to help replace, you know, McBride. And then the kid from Old Dominion that they got, it'll be interesting to see. He averaged 15, 16 points. Old Dominion, Jeff Jones has always done a terrific job. So it'll be interesting to see his transformation there. I have a I have a Fran Fraschilla special for you, okay? I talked yep. to Kevin Jones and I talked to Deshaun Butler about this, and both of them said the kid to keep an eye on is Jalen Bridges. Am I right, Fran? Is that the guy? Yeah, no, J- Jalen is a rising star. You know, like he's a he's a I would say he's very unassuming, Rob. You know, I uh, I had to look that word up once because my seventh grade teacher told my mom <laughs> I was unassuming, which meant I'm there, I'm active, but you don't like have to hear me every minute of the day, you know. And, but that's what he is. He's always going to have an impact on the game offensively. He's smooth. He can shoot it. He's learning how to – I think I'd like to see him post up a little bit more and play with a little more toughness. But for a kid who is, uh, uh, what, I think a sophomore now, or maybe he's a junior. I'm not sure. Redshirt sophomore. Redshirt sophomore. Redshirt sophomore, yeah. Um, you know, but a highly uh, touted kid coming in there. Yeah, and you know what he did? As I recall, I'll never forget, I was there watching practice in September, and like this kid showed up like – two weeks late. And I go, what's the deal? And they said, well, he was going to prep school, but we figured, cause he's from Fairmont 20 minutes from uh, Morgantown, great pepperoni roll, Stephen Fairmont, by the way. Um, <laughs> but you went, but they said, why go to prep school when you can come here in red shirt? That, and that's what happened, you know? So he's really in his third year, but second year playing, but absolutely Rob. Um, I'm going to tell you, Tash Sherman, Sean McNeil, Jalen Bridges, that can compete with any backcourt in the big 12, uh, but they're very underrated. You know, because of Miles and the way he came on to Steve's point, and I love Miles, they're not going to take as big a step back as people think in the backcourt. They're going to miss the animal culver, Steve, right? Yeah, that's, just, that's the biggest key. When I'm looking yeah. at their roster, not sorry to cut you off. Yeah. It's more about who's going to play the five. You know, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the guys. They got a couple transfers. They got Paula Cap from DePaul. Cottrell was a big kid that got hurt last year. You know, they could play Bridges at the four. You know, McNeil, Sherman, and, you know, if the kid from Old Dominion can you know, eventually take the, the point guard role, you know, I think the perimeter will be okay. It's They've always had that dominating, nasty, you know, five. And maybe it's Gabe, uh, you know, that, that you know, he played a lot of four or five last year, four. Maybe he plays the five and they go a little smaller there. Yeah, I think I think Gabe and Mitch Lightfoot is going to be a great matchup this year. That's like two NBA like ten year veterans, you know, go, going at it. And uh, but you know, I was listening to Coach uh, Hugs on a on a pod a couple of weeks ago, and Isaiah Cottrell is healthy now. Rob, he's a six ten kid from Vegas that um, they love his outside inside game. 
was shooting the three and he's a big kid. He's like 240. And I, I'm anxious to see him. I, I can't give you a scouting report on him right now because I I did I saw him briefly last year and then he tore the Achilles. But if that kid, to Steve's point, can do anything in terms of rebounding and give them a little bit of that West Virginia Bob Huggins toughness, that's a you know, that's a dangerous team. That's a that's a five or six place team, I think, in the league that can make it make the NCAA tournament. All right, we got about six more minutes here before we get out of here. So I'm just going to tell you, Oklahoma, I love their backcourt, what they can do defensively with Jordan Goldwire and Elijah Harkless. I'm a little bit worried about this team, what their identity is. Can you play a defensive backcourt when you have the Groves brothers coming in, trying to provide offense for you? I don't feels like it's a little bit of a weird fit, but Porter figures everything out. TCU, Mike Miles, I know that's your guy, Fran. Um, Kansas State, uh, I mean, I, I hope they end up working out. I like Mike McGurl because he's a – yeah. He's a Connecticut guy like me. Um, and then yeah. Iowa State, uh, I mean, you know them better than anyone else, Steve. Is there anything there to like? So uh, you got Gabe Kalsher coming in. You got Isaiah Brockington coming in. Um, what do you – give me the the kind of Cliff Notes version for any of these teams, guys. Is there anything to really like about with these guys? I would say TCU is an interesting team because they not only bring back Mike Miles, who's on the verge, kind of like a Buddy Heald, you know, like a Devontae Graham, like uh, like a Javon Carter, of being a household name in the league. I mean, he is to the people who follow the league. I think nationally he could be coming off a gold medal with the under-19 team, uh, USA. But it's interesting about them. They it, That's like uh, – it's the ultimate general manager job Jamie Dixon did. He lost like a 1,000 guys to the transfer portal, and he brought a 1,000 in. And I think the guys he brought in are actually better than the guys that left. Like Emmanuel Miller, the kid from Texas A&M, I think is going to be rock solid. Um, uh, Micah Peavy, who played at Texas Tech, I think has a chance. I watched him practice early in the summer. This kid could explode this year and be like a 15-9 and guy. You know, we didn't see it last year because they had a lot of veterans. So I like TCU on paper. Porter's rebuilding. I think, you know, Steve would know more about Iowa State and how, how much they have to rebuild. And then Davion Bradford from Kansas State is an old-school Big kid. We know about Nigel Pack. He's going to be a good player. But, Steve, you remember the big kid from St. Louis, Davion Bradford. I thought 6'10", 240, really improved as a freshman last year. He's one that I circled to where, hey, he could take a big step. I thought Kansas State played well down the stretch, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because, you know, Weber's teams always guard. They're always disciplined offensively. Um, you know, but Bradford, I think, could take a step. And he's got size. He's tougher on the basket. He can score. I do like TCU when you talk about PV and Emmanuel Miller and um, and then the returning, you know, Mike Miles. The one thing I look at is when I wrote down notes on TCU is, you know, I went and watched the Grizzlies the other day practice. Desmond Bain's going to start it there, start for them too. Yeah. RJ Nemhard's with the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. You know, they had these sneaky wings that have gone on and, and don't do good things. So who's the next one? Is it is it Micah PV like you touched on? Uh, Iowa State, you know, hopefully George Condit, you know, I know they, I would assume, you know, they want him to have a big breakout year at the five. I think he showed glimpses. He really understands how to play pick and roll. Him and Halliburton in pick and roll were really good. He's got great hands, great feel. And then that you, you touched on the two transfers, the Penn State transfer, Minnesota transfer. I'm sure they're going to look for big things for them. And then Tyrese Hunter, freshman point guard, could be somebody that steps into the league and does some good things. And then Obviously, when you bring in a new coach, there's going to be a lot of energy, you know, and a lot of newness to the program where you're going to hopefully exceed expectations that way. All right. Before we get out of here, I just need your uh, your Big 12 preseason conference player of the year. Mine's going to be off the wall, so I'm going to wait to give mine last because I want to see your reaction to it. But, Steve, how, who's, your, uh, who's your preseason Big 12 player of the year? 
I'm going to go, and I won't take anybody that's coming new into the league, so I'll just go with returners. I would say my sleeper would be Caleb Boone, but I will go with Ochai. I just think for three years he's been consistent at Kansas. He's won a ton of games. He's coming back for his senior year. I know he's expecting to have a big year, so I would go with Ochai up at Kansas. I think there's four guys that you can pick from Kansas and have a decent argument on potentially being the player of the year. Fran, who do you have? You know, honestly, Rob, uh, as someone I think who knows the league as well as most, uh, I'm not sure, honestly. So, honestly, there's no one guy that I say, hey, he is the runaway favorite. But because I think Kansas will be the best team in the league, don't forget now they got the home court advantage back because of Mm -hmm. crowds. Um, And because of Ojai continuing to take steps, uh, I, I think he's a safe pick. I think Ochai is going to be a 16, 17-point-a-game guy on a balanced team, on a team that's like 14 and 4, you know, is a two-seed or a one-seed, and is an all-conference player, and I think that he would be a very safe pick. I expect him to make another jump this year and be the, you know, I think he would be a very – if Vegas had odds, I think Ochai would be like 4-1, to one, but it's not 1-2 to two like it would be in some years where you know it's going to be Kate Cunningham. Yep. So mine's a little bit off the wall. I'm going to go yep. with James Akinjo because I think that putting him in that system with the yep. way that Scott Drew wants to play with the ball screen, heavy offenses with shooters around him, he's just going to be able to thrive offensively. And I think that that is the right fit for him culturally and personality wise. So uh, I, I have him as a preseason first team All-American. I'm going Hold all on, I got I got Vegas on the line. I got Vegas on the line. They, they have him <laughs> five to one. So that's not bad. You know, but no, I think, I think that's exactly my point. Like it's going to be somebody crazy like that, that they're, you know, whether it's, it could be Courtney Ramey, Mm -hmm. it could be Marcus Carr. We expect Marcus Carr to have a big year. So, you know, Remy Martin, I don't know, but yeah, Rob, I, I, in a given year like this, I'd be just, I'm guessing, I'm guessing. So I think, I think Akinjo is a a nice sect, as we say, a sexy pick. Yeah, there's. The, uh, I think what we touched on a little bit earlier, but I like Matthew Meyer too. I, yeah. I I think you know I know he was the fourth guard last year for them, but he can score, man. I, I think he's got a chance. I <laughs> That's really my do. guy, man. That's. I'm just telling you, you know, watching guys, seeing the league, seeing guys that have played to the next level. He's skilled. He can make shots, and he's got size, and that transfers. And he never shot, saw a shot that he didn't like, which is uh, which is my kind of play. Well, listen, guys, I appreciate the time. This has been a lot of fun. That was the Big 12 Conference preview from two guys that know the league better than anybody else. Steve Prohm, Fran Fraschilla. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.